0: Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everybody. This is Shrink Chat. It's June 5th.
1: It is June 5th. Yeah. We, it, it, we're already in summer. I
0: know. I know. Well, it has been here in the Los Angeles land. It has been, it's turned pretty hot. There's a couple of overcast days, but um, we have not had a real June gloom yet, which is what we call it in these here parts. No, um, it's been, cooler, been hot,
1: But the, we've had some cool days, though.
0: Yeah, there's an days. overcast day uh, over last weekend. But, you know, May was rain, etc. So... I think trivia, I believe it is trivia time, although we're not calling it that anymore. We're calling it Horror Facts with Kath.
1: Horror Facts by Kath. <laughs> Self-named, obviously. I think someone, I, no, I, I think someone made that up for me. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see if you get this one. Oh, yeah. Oops. This is the first American film to feature a toilet. Okay. Okay? You hear it flush. <laughs> Odd. Orange, or in, orienting you to the time, Shannon. <laughs> That's a big clue.
0: <laughs> so it's like after we invented toilets.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Its music score <laughs> is all strings whoosh that really yeah. brings it home get, In real specific here <laughs> the killer <laughs> is loosely created after ed Gain, Uh uh-huh and the director makes a cameo in the first six minutes of the film i have one more clue that i'm going to give to you at the end if you okay. don't get it yeah so, i'm not gonna
0: guess it now that would just ruin the fun
1: First American film to feature a toilet, which means it was after... <laughs> after toilets
0: were invented. Toilets That's weren- very helpful. Yeah, but
1: no, but think of it. Th- actually, let <laughs> me add to that. And certainly not in the last was two decades, time, probably. There was a time that showing something like that in a TV show or film would be inappropriate.
0: I still bristle when people are on the toilet. And there's a scene where they're sitting on the toilet. I still bristle a little. Yeah. I mean, it happened. It doesn't happen
1: all the well, time. this film wasn't
0: that far. They don't show
1: even show the right. toilet. You like just when, hear
0: it. When train spotting happened, mm-hmm. that movie happened, and he goes in the toilet and all of that, like that blew my mind. Oh, God. And that it was so see, gross. I was just
1: listening to that soundtrack. But uh, that anyway. is actually, that clue's more relevant than you think. I, I, I believe you. I didn't just say, oh, <laughs> that happened in that movie. We'll throw it in. It actually. <laughs> Is very relevant. So. All right. So. Okay. Is, and there's one more I'm going to give you at the end if you don't get it. And then we'll see. Do I get to ask a question? Sure. Is it a horror movie? Yeah. These all are. Okay. It's horror facts. Just by just making Kath. sure. It's horror facts I, by Kath. You know what? I don't put it's anything not, by you. No, Shannon, it's not Gone <laughs> with the Wind. <laughs>
0: But it was invented after toilets were made. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. super. <So> that's super. <laughs> you mean it was it, it was filmed after toilets were made. Yes. I can't.
0: I can't oh, yeah. That's a distinction. Well, maybe.
1: I don't know. I mean, Could maybe. We're right in the middle. Or it was just, it's just the toilet <laughs> flush. So maybe it was after the toilet flush was made and not the toilet. It literally, <laughs> <I'm> literally <laughs> going to strangle you. Okay. Well, it's a horror podcast. If that's appropriate. <laughs> so
0: if there's a little threatening. It's okay. Uh, so I'm going back to work.
1: Yeah, I'm starting a hybrid model myself.
0: So here's what's happening. I will share what is happening with me. So my 95 place of business is doing what they're calling a 50% capacity idea. So the building I work in is just us. So, um, and it's, and it's, uh, too big for us. So there is a lot of room. It's two floors, um, uh, but it's 50% capacity. So, what they've done in my particular department, I don't know if all the departments are doing it the same, but in my department, they're doing like um, 50% Monday, Wednesday, 50% Tuesday, Thursday, and then alternate Fridays. And we already had in my schedule alternate Fridays anyway. So Mm -hmm. we're just, we're just doing that. Um, And putting into place all sorts of other things like a little bit of what we were doing before we all went home, which is masks and six foot distancing. Right. And um, there's all kinds of equipment in the building that you can use, which is, of course, they're providing masks and sanitizer and um, things of that nature and we use uh, i don't particularly use them but our staff uses uh, company cars they share cars so they've got a whole system worked out where um like each car is only used by one person in a day so when we when oh, okay. they're not we are not technically necessarily going back to family visits yet in the community, but they're working towards that. So, but there might be, I mean, there have already been sometimes like just the other, like last week, um, some staff, we had a big donation of fruits and vegetables, uh, boxes by a a company, a guy called the Berry man, which is a service, um, in our County in Santa Barbara, actually that, delivers fresh produce um and so they called us up and donated like 50 boxes and so our staff identified families that were in need and then um delivered them all uh last week and a couple of staff members got to um, many of our staff members um, are are in need as well Mm -hmm. and so um, a couple of our staff members got to do a box and I have I didn't see the boxes but apparently they were gigantic boxes basically of veg and fruit and other things so um, that was awesome but all that to say that we still do have things where staff goes into the field and wears masks Mm -hmm. and stuff but So anyway, they're going to do the car thing and they're going to wipe down the cars and they're going to have like one person only uses one car in one day, which we'll see how long that needs to happen. And so that's what we're doing, 50%. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah, I think, um, I mean, your work's a little bit different because it's more of an agency, private practice is a little bit easier in the sense that I really just have to make sure that I'm doing my part. Um, and I'm not going out into the field, but collectively we're not a group practice, but there, um, the woman I sublet from, she has many of us who are therapists. So we have, she sent out a a long email around the way that they've moved the offices around to make them more socially distanced. And um, removing some chairs in the waiting room and making sure people are wearing masks in the waiting room. And then we not only got hand sanitizer, we also got the sanitizer for the furniture. So mm-hmm. when they get up, we yep. can spray them in the doorknobs and all that. We removed all the coffee and tea service and put a bottled water in, in the waiting room. It's just really interesting. This whole thing is bizarre. But um, I imagine moving forward, at least for a while, it, my practice will be a hybrid just because some people now have become accustomed to it and then other people are really over it so it's, it's going to be people's comfort levels and private practice is a little bit different because they don't have to come in
0: yeah I'm and, doing my I'm doing still doing all my stuff yeah. telehealth and and expect to continue to do that for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future I'm not going to make any changes with that yet um, yeah which is fine. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it. I, uh, I mean it's helpful in my job that I am blessed. I I have an office at work, so I, what I'll be doing is I will still be conducting everything via the internet with zoom and everything, zoom or Skype or team meetings. We use them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just be inside my office, yeah, <laughs> with the door closed. Basically, um, that's how it's going to start. So, one may ask, why go to the office? <laughs> and I have that question too. But I, um, the best I can cobble together, I might have a better answer once I've done it for a few weeks. But the best I can cobble together is that a part of the le- as a part of the leadership team, it's important to um, be a part of things and be there and. Um, set an example Mm -hmm. or, you know, because our teams are going to start to go back in the field Mm -hmm. sometime. And, you know, it never feels good when your managers and your supervisors and stuff are like safely sequestered at home and you're going into the, you
1: know, it just doesn't, it's just not right. That happened to my brother towards the end of this. He had, you know, his boss was (laughs) sitting at home and being like this is you guys are essential and have to be there and it was when the outbreak was he's already Uh, hypochondriac anyway so it was um but I I felt for him at the same time because it was like yeah it's really easy for you to say to get out there and do this Mm -hmm. and be around all these people while you're working from home Mm -hmm. um yeah for me I'm I'm fine with telehealth To a certain extent, I talked about this before, I really like in-person, but I'm fine doing a hybrid. I think what I really miss the most, where I feel like I'm um, missing out, my students are missing out, is being on campus. And I know that USC, we're looking, we're trying anyway, to formulate a hybrid model for the fall, um, which a lot of schools are looking into Mm -hmm. now, which is having a smaller portion of the cohort come in while the other is at home on Zoom. And then um, let's say there's class twice a week because it's graduate school, then on Wednesday that would switch. So we could socially distance in the room, the students could wear masks, I would be up front and further away, and we would just have a a much smaller, you know, classroom. But that still allows them then to come in and, you know, have the interaction. Because one of the things that's happening right now, and I know USC already has a number of lawsuits, is um, people are suing because they're paying just as much in tuition to... Be having to, you know, go online, and I have a couple thoughts of that. One is, well, no one's forcing you to stay, but also, I also understand that nobody wants their education disrupted. But the pandemic wasn't these universities' faults either. The so, didn't
0: plan the pandemic. No,
1: and if if the university says, okay, then we're just going to stop school until we're back in person, then what? You know, so sure. there's just this. There's so much that again, it goes back to people trying to control a situation or say that there's a solution if you just did this but it's like so many people are affected in different ways by all of these decisions and it gets complicated so we're doing our best to to try to meet everybody in middle ground
0: yeah i know four or five other people who are in like higher education and i also know a few people that are in like elementary schools and junior highs and stuff um and those people haven't i haven't heard any like decisions made about fall um they're really going moment to moment because yeah. it's kids. It's
1: harder learning um, when they're small, when they're younger.
0: Yeah. The colleges I have all, except for what you're saying that they're suggesting about like a hybrid, all the other ones I've heard about are all planning to be online for fall.
1: Except U of A, they're opening right away in August. No, I just <laughs> mean the, no, yeah, I no, just I mean know, the ones just I know of. <laughs> U of A is like, what pandemic? <laughs>
0: um yeah, that's one way to go about it.
1: Well, and I think what's even interesting about that my sister-in-law and I were talking about it this morning is, you know, how, how how our college is going to be able to afford having dorms at 50% capacity because they're looking at one person per a two-person dorm. It just it's absurd. It causes all it's it's a lot of it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, a lot. lot of. And then how do you avoid people campus life? These these kids are going to want to have parties and they're going to want to you know how how do you do that we're all thinking and then tell them how dare you know you can't it's like well you invited them
0: back on campus yeah it's changing things it's going to change things for the foreseeable future even when we're able to go back into person with things and all of that like it's it's systemically changing things because I'm thinking about travel. I'm thinking about uh, the other day I was thinking about Sundance. I'm like, okay. So even if they have Sundance in January, cause we don't know what's going to happen between now and January. Right. No idea. Um, all kinds of possible scenarios are being floated. So, okay. So let's say they do have Sundance 2021. Um, yeah. Going to look a lot different. Sundance is, Oh, we, Park,
1: in and Park City gets just, Comp- they're
0: on top of each other well and just if you're just talking about the movies like we're packed into lines for the like we're st- you're standing in line like when i'm not working i'm standing in
1: line for a movie <laughs> yeah well and you, so yeah and you know the, the, the wonder, lines you wonder about i know this is like down the road but sundance for 2022 when there's been a whole year of you know films being compromised and stuff too but from even being made although i know they are filming they're already filming again but you know it's just going to be interesting to to see fascinating i wanted to make a comment here because something that we had talked about on the show last time was around um the mental health piece that i i made a suggestion um i was speaking to the fact that we we have to pay attention to all lives and although clearly we have to be careful with covid there are a lot of people at home Um, domestic violence up 300%. We have all of this stuff going on that, um, for me politically, it, it feels when we talk about saving lives, it feels very disingenuous if we're only focusing on one form of that. Like Mm -hmm. we, we also have to be talking about the other piece, which they finally are to a certain degree, but I just want to give a shout out to Natalie, um, who's a, 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 listener and actually our winner, our most recent winner, mm-hmm. um, she lives out in Scotland and she had uh, posted something um, speaking to w- what I had mentioned on the show and I just think this is so awesome, which is where she lives, they have uh, now pharmacies have delegated um, anonymous disclosures of domestic violence so people can go into like their version of a local CVS and disclose it to a pharmacist and they'll make a call um, which is like what she was saying is really great because it's an easy excuse to go out to the market or you know you're not going to walk over to a shelter at this time they're all you know but they that they've created this um, avenue for DV survivors to go and report this and that that that's even in place i just thought that was really awesome it's a great strategy it's a because great it's strategy. an essential
0: service yep and it's probably you know and it's a bit better than reporting it to a grocery store clerk yep. so you and know, doctors are all through telehealth right now and right but the pharmacy like i've mm-hmm. gone to the pharmacy during this so it's open so go scotland yeah go scotland well that's my heritage. So there hey, you you're in charge of that. Hey,
1: <laughs> um, I just think that, I think that that's something worth mentioning because we have uh, so many things going on here, and we're talking about it. But what an easy strategy, and what um, it 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 works. Yeah, it works. It makes sense. Perfect.
0: Yeah, I appreciate her sharing that. Go, Natalie. Go, Scotland. Go, Scotland. Great, good. Um, so I did want to call attention to what is happening in America right now with our lack of race relations, mm-hmm. um, and specifically George Floyd, because it's important to mention these things. So for those of you who maybe don't live in America or don't watch American news, I just want to mention that a man named George Floyd who's who was 46 died after being arrested by police outside of a shop in Minneapolis, Minnesota um, after a white police officer uh george happened to be black and a white police officer derek Chauvin, uh kneeled on mr floyd's neck uh for what eight minutes 90 90 minutes hour and a half my apologies 90 minutes (sighs) this white police officer has since been charged with murder but between what happened um and now um one, there is a video of this. There was someone there that was uh, videotaping, and so that has been all over the news. and there are all kinds of conversations about how that will be used in the trial. Um, so there's that particular element going on, and then there are massive uh, protests that have some of some of which have turned into riots. Would yeah. that be a fair? Like yeah, just I'm, brief kind of paragraph. Of,
1: riots, and and I would even go as far as saying, unfortunately, opportunistic moments of people taking advantage of other people's suffering.
0: Terrible, terrible things are happening. Terrible things are happening. So is there something, uh, one of the things I want to do, the only thing I want to do really is provide some resources for anybody who does not happen to be black uh, in order to, uh, educate yourself. Because I think in the words of one uh, New York Times re- reviewer that I was um, listening to on a podcast is she was speaking about she's there in the trenches reporting from what is happening um, in Minnesota. And she talked about fighting for clarity. And that's what I'm doing is I'm really just fighting for clarity on the issue. I think it's extremely It's just extremely, extremely difficult to tolerate. I have clients that are trying to like watch the news, avoid the news, are in the middle of a pandemic, stuck in their homes and are just despondent over the issues that are happening right now in race relations. And so I want to provide some resources, but I know there was something that you also wanted to say.
1: Yeah, I just wanted really quickly to say, I think the biggest struggle, and I'm only going to speak for myself as a white person, is to it's hard sometimes in these situations because you want to be an advocate and you want to support, but you don't want to come off as a white saviorist at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's, there's so much going on around like my own process in this, but also not making it about me. And and, and I know that I've shared that had this conversation with uh, other white people where, you know, we have to do more than just, you know, say this isn't fair can we be sort of that silent support where we're actually physically doing something but allowing the people who are, are actually suffering to be the one who s- speaks because they have been the one who have been silenced for so long. So I guess my, my point in all of this is just, it's I think where it's been hard for me is finding a way to support without being offensive and without saying things that just sound either ignorant or overcorrected. And there's a book I wanted to actually throw out here, too, um, that a couple students read for personal growth assignments this year called um, Feeling White, Whiteness, Emotionality, and Education. And I believe I believe you pronounce her last name, Cheryl Matthias, and it was written in 2016. And it really brings to light some of the microaggressions and the things that sometimes we say with good intention, um, but actually can be quite offensive or mm-hmm. just off-putting and I think it's important for us to educate ourselves on even though sometimes we may be well-meaning um how sometimes that can actually be more harmful than outright racism or or bias so I guess that's just but the whole thing is incredibly disheartening I don't even have words and I and I really don't have words I, I don't have any words around it it's devastating
0: Yeah. Again, like that's why I say fighting for clarity. And I really resonated with that because that's what I'm trying to do. And I think um, so I want to give a few resources um, for those of you who do not happen to be black in America. Um, If you happen to be Caucasian in America and you because I have had several conversations with people who are really struggling to exactly what you're talking about like how to be helpful without being a jackass basically and without being ignorant to what is happening. I will say I believe that we're going to step in shit when we do this, right? I mean as white people, you're going to you're yeah. going to misspeak, you're going to step in shit and you just have to be willing to have the conversation and willing to do that and to like fight for clarity on the issue mm-hmm. and willing a willingness to be to be told <laughs> and <laughs> reprimanded for things that
1: and and op- being open to being corrected.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that it's not and that it's also individual. Yeah. That just as in all psychology, it's a race of people, but it's also each person is individual because I've been corrected by individual people on individual things mm-hmm. that not you, you just can't extrapolate across the whole mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to mention, um, so along those lines, I wanted to mention a couple of books. Um, one is called White Fragility, Why It's So Hard uh, for White People to Talk About that's Racism. A great, that's a great one. Which is a great book. Um, another is Self-Portrait in Black and White by Thomas Chatter- Chatterton Williams. It's called Self-Portrait in Black and White, Unlearning Race. Um, it's a really good one. Um, there's also a, a very good memoir called Negro Land, Um and by Margot Jefferson. And I, I just that book is so good. It's a, it's a memoir um, on the distinction between white and black privilege. She happens to be um, someone who's in the considers herself to be in the black upper class. So that is and, and what is different about being white and black and, and the class system and how those are different. Um, And then there's also uh, a couple of, let's see, where's my note, a couple of um, books of poems that I find particularly useful. Um, The first is, where are, um, where's the name of it? Voyage of the Sable Venus and Other Poems. Uh, It's just really good. Robin Cost Lewis's debut poetry collection. And then another one would be um, Claudia Rankine, Rankines, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce that right, um, is Citizen, an American Lyric, which is a book-length poem about race and the imagination. Um, I also, for those of you who aren't going to sit down necessarily and read books, this is an easy thing. For those of you who'd like to act um, in a way that might be helpful. Uh, there is an article. If you simply Google, it's actually from 2017, but if you simply Google um, 75 things white people can do for racial justice, it's going to come up. It's on the medium.com website. And it is a very extensive list of things that you can do to be helpful, including things that have to do with your local police departments, um, uh, certain videos, lists of books that you can recommend to your friends who are educators of children. Um, there's also things like banking black and supporting black businesses, um, putting your money in black banks, um, you know, not buying from companies who um, support prison labor, um, reading up on mandatory minimums. I mean, it's exhaustive. 75 yeah, it falls right up. It's from it, 2017. It's very popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all kinds of things that you can do to actually be helpful, um, without hopefully, you know, asserting it's, it's, it's many of the things are ways to assert your privilege to help. And that is what is needed in in some capacity from everyone, really, in my opinion. There's this other great book called The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. It's actually, um... It was a national bestseller when it first came out in 1963 um, about the civil rights movement, which is a really good one too. Anyway, hopefully that provides some context for anybody who's actually wanting to read, um, fight for clarity, educating yourselves. Um, It is not the responsibility of black people to educate you. So educate yourselves. And then if there's some things um, that you would like to do to help, I think that list gives you a, an excellent place to start.
1: That's great.
0: So that's what I wanted to do on that because other than that, I have nothing to, uh, there's this great organization actually, now that I'm talking about this, that I was exposed to several years ago at the World Domination Summit. Um, this really great guy stood up and gave his talk, uh, which was very thoughtful. He has a company called Puzzle Huddle. And it was what I remember about his story. Now I remember, I'm remembering this from a few years back. So I apologize if I get any details wrong. But he was a father of a, of a young black girl. It was his daughter who was going to school and getting games and different things in in classes and trying to buy toys for her that didn't have black representation in them. Mm -hmm. So he started a company called Puzzle Huddle and made puzzles that have black people in them and and other people of color eventually Mm. in the beginning. It was just, um, he made a puzzle that basically looked like her, a little black girl, you put together the puzzles like, and he's got really simple ones and he donates them to a lot of schools, but you can also go online and buy them. So there's like little tiny ones and then there's bigger ones. What is it called? Puzzle huddle.
1: Puzzle huddle. Okay.
0: Um, and I'm just mentioning that because I happen to have seen him speak and I just love the idea. And, um, have bought puzzles and given them to clients at my agency. So anyway, just a personal recommendation. But on that list of the 75 things, there's actually links to five or six, seven lists of children's books and children's authors and children's um, illustrators that are all um, black and can be um, supported and also given to kids. If you know any educators um, you know, teachers that can use those mm-hmm. to broaden what oh, just, we do with kids in school. Oh, these are great, mm-hmm. aren't they? Oh, you yeah. looked up Puzzleheadle. Yeah, yeah, he's so cool, and and I haven't seen that organization necessarily in the news a ton but i want to give it a shout out because i, love I thought that. it was a great idea and it really came from his heart and you know great ideas come from like a need we see right it's something we need we don't we can't find it
1: <laughs> when they have them in different roles if astronaut doctor mm-hmm. chemist veterinarian it's really cute teacher i love it
0: he wanted his daughter to see his representation of the things that she could be
1: that's awesome
0: okay we're gonna pivot here we go. Pivoting to what we watched.
1: I watched a movie called the house of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Was it any good? Um, so this is why I chose it. And <laughs> I, and I did actually like, it. like I'd give it a, fo- a solid, like seven out of 10. How about okay. that? So it's, um, C <laughs> give it a I'd give it a B minus. Okay. No, I'd probably give No, that's not true. I <laughs> give it an eight out of 10. So B minus. Um, I think I think it gets six and six point4 out of ten stars on here <laughs> so it was actually filmed in 2009 but it takes place in 1983 okay so in it's even filmed really grainy <laughs> so okay. when you watch it you really do think it was filmed in like 1978 right gotcha um so it's Jocelyn Donahue who plays the lead she's really good and and beautiful she was in another. I'll have to pull it up. I forgot she was in another franchise. She's, she's a, a new horror girl on my list here. <laughs> but she's, in 1983, financially struggling college student Samantha Hughes takes a strange babysitting job that coincides with a full lunar eclipse. She slowly realizes her clients harbor a terrifying secret, putting her life in mortal danger. Um, it's really about devil worship. Um, but I think there is there's some blood and gore in it, but it's actually much more jumpy and suspenseful and not a lot of dialogue and she's asked to watch this house on this evening that the, the couple's going out and she starts to find all these, this weird stuff in the house. And then the next thing you know, she realizes she's in the middle of a satanic cult. Sweet. Um, but it was, it was enough to keep my, um, attention. And I think part of that was because it really had that early 80s slasher film. No, feel. I'm rea-
0: I'm reading about it as you're talking <clears throat> and it sounds right up your alley because totally. it, it says it pays homage to the 70s and 80s films yep. and that it's a hybrid of slasher film and haunted house.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. I mean it really is like fits right. And when I saw I was going to say like, that is right down oh, your road. <laughs> that was made for me. Yeah. Um so I thought it was fun. Did you watch that on Shudder? I did.
0: Cool. I rewatched the Babadook.
1: Oh! Ah. <laughs>
0: Babadook. <laughs> it's a good one man it is so terrifying it is so top you know 50. (laughs) I can never do top 10s because
1: it's like no it really is it's terrifying
0: so I I know we've mentioned it before but I do want to just hit this home that it's a 2014 Australian psychological horror film written and directed by Jennifer Kent in her directorial debut. And it's based on the 2005 short film Monster, also written by her. Um, it premiered 2014 in Sundance, and it's frickin' scary. Freaking, It yeah. is.
1: It really is one of the scariest. Uh, it's a good one. <laughs>
0: and there's a mental illness component. So, there is,
1: you know, there's a huge, and and grief and loss, mm-hmm, and grief and loss. There's a parent, a mother and a child. Not is, being able to let things go. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many metaphors in it. It's done really well. Um, yeah. I wanted to say now that we're on the topic of, of terrifying films, because yes, Shannon and I are, and I post this on Instagram, Shannon and I are starting in June, our Saturday evening horror fest where we're going to be each be choosing a film, or you're going to be choosing a film for us, and we already have some people that have sent some stuff. Because if you send us any recommendations,
0: we're gonna watch we're gonna em. watch
1: them. We're gonna talk about you and what we thought about it. Mm-hmm. But one of the first ones that came up for me, Shannon, because I don't know if you've seen it yet, is the original Black Christmas.
0: I don't think I have. Okay, but it also could be that we get 15 minutes and I'm like oh yeah (laughs) right so yep I know about it
1: but there's a couple other ones in here someone recommended sinister I don't think I've seen Mm -hmm. that I know that one um
0: yeah there was a Thai movie that got recommended which is right up my alley um yeah yeah so so yes there's an instagram post that if you have ideas for us please go and it's really bold and red and it just yeah, says shannon and i week. want horror movies to watch so it's not hard to find um so just let us know because we're actually going to watch we were going to choose them ourselves but then it and was like we still like,
1: will if people you know don't well yeah don't if there's something up. i
0: want to watch i'm going to make you watch it but yeah Um, we would like to try and cover um, the movies that are mentioned there over the course of the summer. So there it is. Uh, Yeah. I watched The Babadook. I also watched uh, watched a lot of stupid shit. I watched a movie called Deadbeat at Dawn. So I watched... On Friday nights, I watch along with Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder, (laughs) who does live tweeting and, well, his minions do the live tweeting. You're
1: talking about the drive-in guy? Yeah, the
0: last drive-in. There's a big community on Twitter that um, watches and tweets. And it's cool because we all kind of feel like we're watching together. At least that's how it feels to me. Because I'm like watching and reading at the same time. Um, what their reactions to things are. So it's kind of fun, um, especially during these times. So Deadbeat at Dawn (laughs) is really bad. They're all drive-in movies, so they're all – all the movies they show are either extremely horrific, like – banned and nobody would ever you know want to watch them or they're campy or they're just off the beaten path generally speaking and so it's cool because it exposes me to those things so this is a deadbeat at dawn is a 1988 action film written directed by jim van bieber um depicts a street gang leader setting out for revenge against a rival street gang and this was a student film. I think this is the one, a lot of student films on this, on this show as well, but um, it's from Dayton, Ohio shown at the Dayton movies theater in Dayton, Ohio in 1988 after the film initially released on VHS, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> VHS. Oh
0: yeah. Um, it's, Okay, so I enjoy these kinds of movies just because they're bad. So it, I'm not saying that these kinds of movies are for everyone. Um, absolutely not. So this isn't the kind of movie that I'm going to say, "Hey, go out and watch it," like we do with, you know, Insidious or something, or even Audition. You know, something that's not for everybody. Um, but it's guerrilla filmmaking. So the interesting thing about the Joe Bob Briggs version on Shudder, or watching his commentary wherever you can find it, he's kind of like an Elvira. For um, he's been around forever. Uh, you know, they stop down and talk during the commercials, and he makes jokes, and they've always got like stuff going on. Um, the fun thing about the stories is that it was like a guerrilla filmmaking situation. So much of the stuff that you see was shot while they were trying to like not get caught by police. And there's one scene actually where there's a cop that like rolls up and they just started shooting it. And that was actually happening. (laughs) Um, They call it the first punk action film. Um, And they coin one of my now favorite cuss words. What's that? Uh, scum fuck
1: oh yeah okay scum
0: fuck is now a word so i'm just gonna say so watch that i also watched all the insidious movies over again yeah. for our insidious episode
1: i watched uh, a, a cute series on netflix mm-hmm. um as you like to call them like potato chip flicks <laughs> yeah because uh, sometimes you know with everything going on in the world you need some I, I did some serious potato chipping the last couple of weeks. The word that I use to describe movies, this, I mean, this series is comforting. Yeah, because um, it's filmed in South Carolina, but it's it's oh, called yeah. uh, Sweet Magnolias. Oh, I started watching that. Uh, I binged it, which I don't oh, except, wow. except for the the last uh, episode. I saved it, and I finally watched. <laughs> I finally watched it. And I haven't watched. The I end. can't wait for season two. It's just you know about three Sweet. really good friends in South Carolina who are all Joanna Garcia, who I love. She was the daughter on Reba back in the day. She plays like the main character. Um, they've all gone through their own like relationship problems. And two of them have kids and they live in this small town um, called Serenity in South Carolina. I have family in North Carolina and I, I love going there because there's a simplicity and not in a condescending way. There's a simplicity and a hospitality and a comfort there. So it's sort of like a, well how i would frame a, a far less obnoxious gilmore girls um tied in with like a more intelligent hallmark <laughs> yeah show. it's like definitely um, like a hallmark
0: movie yeah but it
1: has the it has a lot of the the really quick witted um stuff except it's not the dialogue's not annoying and choppy like i couldn't stand Gilmore. i like girls. most of the acting and the acting is good yeah most, most i would agree most, most of, it. of the um, acting is good this the the kid who plays the oldest son is great like there's just a lot of really great interpersonal dynamics but it's just comforting it yeah, reminds yeah. me of it's I, like a lifetime yeah i grew a up i grew up in sub in a subdivision and and not a small town but i didn't grow up in a big city and then i have family in in the carolinas so to me it's it's very it feels really good to watch and my my friend uh, who i live with she was like hey I have a good series for you um i just started it I said, uh, and she told me what it was. I go, oh, yeah, I'm already on episode four. So then she binged it all the way through. And there was a day, like, I think it was last Sunday, we were both in our rooms watching stuff. And she texts me, she goes, I'm on episode like 512. I can't stop. It's like, because <laughs> it's, like, it's just so, yeah. like, ah oh. It Just, feels good to watch. Yeah, it's like a warm. It t- and it takes us. It, it takes us out of the pandemic. It takes us out of the.
0: Yeah, yeah. if you ever watched um, Heart of Dixie, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. I I would say it's not quite as well done as Heart of Dixie. Yeah. I was more intrigued by Heart of Dixie in the in the beginning. Um, then of the course, lost the train. But I am on I think episode six, and definitely I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, as as like an antidote. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did my fair share of potato tipping or I watched, I feel pretty with Amy Schumer, mm-hmm. um, which is just like comedy with a, a message about yeah. self-esteem. Um,
1: I wish I liked her. I'd watch it. I'm not, a I fan. watched
0: bad moms, Oh, God which so made me laugh. Catherine Hahn is the funniest person <laughs> on the planet. I watched, um, Baywatch, mm. which made me laugh a uh-huh, lot. Uh-huh. I can't help it. It made me laugh a lot. I just i'm sorry yeah bad silly comedies but with high production value yeah it wasn't it wasn't that poorly done i'm on episode three i mean uh season three of cheers now okay there you go i watched a show called uh i mean a movie called admission with tina fey um and and Paul Rudd is that his name from 2013? Yes. So I there was some intentional while I was watching things like Dead Beat at Dawn and I rewatched the Babadook and the Insidious movies and <laughs> all kinds
1: of other. I watched. Crap. I watched Rebel Wilson's new movie with. Um, oh my god! It's on on Netflix. I think it's. Was it good? It's uh. It's it's okay. I mean, it's fun. It's it's you want to distract yourself kind of thing. Okay. You know? um, yeah. It's called Hustle. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've um, seen I think I don't know yeah, if I it's, watched it. You know what it had really. its it had its moments.
0: Yeah. She's another one where I like I kinda like her. Like kinda how it's you just, feel about Amy Schumer. Like eh. Okay.
1: But um I think she's super funny in an, Hathaway on, in an, an ensemble, And she certainly makes me laugh. But. She's great with Anne Hathaway because Anne Hathaway plays the, the pretentious, yeah. really serious one, and then she's just a, a bumbling mess, so that yeah. was funny. But there's thing. a There's a lot of I think good stuff out to to dumb us down from the stuff going on.
0: Yeah. A lot of tragedy right now, but, yeah. um, yeah, so that's what I watched. So that's that. Cool. Is, that
1: is that what you got? That's it. Okay,
0: cool. We think you, wait, so- no, oh,
1: wait, well, oh, what? trivia. what's my last clue, lady friend. <laughs> <laughs> this was the director's most successful
0: film he ever made. Okay. So I got questions because I'm going to try to guess. I don't know. Um, it's a horror movie. It's horror movie. It's after toilets were <laughs> invented. It was the first time a toilet was ever used in a but film. But I'm going to like guess maybe it's like, I don't know, the 60s, this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, we're narrowing down so I can guess. And so the audience can guess as well if they don't know. Okay. So 60s or 70s maybe?
1: Uh, not yeah. earlier than 70s, but okay. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think.
0: Ed Gein, huh? I don't know. Psycho?
1: Yep. Oh! Yep. I got it. You got it. <laughs> that was just my first guess. I don't know. Psycho? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like how you answered like the fastest you've ever answered before. You're like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So 1960. B- oh, okay. I was kind of close. I was like, it's got to be old. Yeah.
1: It was the bathroom. Toilets have been, never really movies sh- for a while. They never really showed a bathroom much.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. The, so the
1: shower and all that. That's why it was so. And you hear the toilet flush, but you don't see it.
0: Oh, I don't even really remember that. Who
1: does? But it's a fact.
0: I was just trying to pick out a horror movie that reminded me of that, Ed. Gein. That took place in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that had a bathroom. <laughs> I don't remember the toilet. Yeah, but that Ed know. Psycho. The, <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> well, when are you gonna know?
0: Well, that's cool. I'm not doing so bad. You're not at all.
1: And you were really close to the last one.
0: All right. That's good. I feel proud of myself. You should. All right. That's strength Chat. And uh, I'm Shannon.
1: I'm Kathy. Sleep safe.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.